Hover quilting is a form of applique and it's absent of fusible web. Welcome to Make and Decorate, a podcast for makers who love to sew, quilt, and decorate. Hey everyone, I'm Stephanie and welcome to the Make and Decorate podcast. This is episode 51, originally published on May 14, 2020. So you may notice that I kind of skipped a number. Uh, we went from episode 49 to 51, but uh, in between last episode, uh, I got a notification from Buzzsprout, which is my podcast hosting service, uh, congratulating me on 50 episodes. And I was like, wait, what? Uh, but then I realized I, in March, had an extra episode published, a bonus episode, and I forgot, I didn't give it a number. So I'm going to go back and renumber. And here we are, episode 51. And for those of you who have been with me for all 51 episodes, thank you so much. Thank you. I just really uh, appreciate everyone who listens to the show and you guys really keep me going with um, your support. When you, when you contact me, when you email, when you do comments, um, Instagram or wherever, I just really enjoy it. And um, so thank you. And there are a few ways that you can support this podcast. One is to submit a review on iTunes that really helps to make the podcast more visible. And the second way is I have a Make and Decorate Patreon page. It's a monthly subscription um, based platform and uh, you will get a monthly bonus episode of the podcast. And those episodes, a lot of times, are continued conversations with the guests I have on the regular show. And they often provide some extra little gems of um, advice and techniques that you would definitely find value in and entertainment. So the day this episode airs, it will be day 55 of the Illinois stay-at-home quarantine mandate, whatever you call it. Yeah, we've all been home for, for that long. And um, for me, it doesn't seem as long because, of course, you know that for most of it, I have been sick. Uh, so just this past week, I am really starting to uh, feel stronger and better and I've been sewing a lot more and that has really kind of, you know, giving me some energy and just, uh, you know, how it goes. It's like, you know, when you, when you don't get your fill of your creative, um, whatever it is that you love to do, you don't feel as energetic or, you know, joyful. So, um, that has really helped a lot. And of course, a lot of that sewing is required commission projects that I need to get done, but it's still just fun to just be back at it. Another creative activity that I love to do, and I look forward to this every spring, is gardening. And um, it's mostly container gardening, but I also love um to plant wildflowers, sunflowers, and, um, you know, my peonies have uh, started to come up. Uh, they don't bloom until towards the end of May, early June. Um, but we have not been able to plant anything yet this year. 
winter seems very reluctant to be on its way. So it just keeps coming back. We'll have a really nice couple of days of weather. We had a couple of nice 70 plus degree days and then wham, 29 degrees, snow, frost, you name it. So <laughs> um, I'm glad I, I have only, I only have a couple of plants that we've gotten so far um, just because, you know, we just can't really, they didn't even open up the nurseries um, uh, for us in our state until last weekend. Um, so we were able to get a couple, I love herbs, fresh herbs, thyme, rosemary, basil, oregano. Every year I grow those in containers right off my deck, uh, which is very close to right off my kitchen. And I can just go out there and snip them while I'm cooking. Um, yeah, but uh, otherwise, uh, haven't been able to do that yet. So I'm just waiting. I'm waiting and looking at the calendar and we're all, we're mid-May here. So uh, it just seems to happen in, in this area um, in the last few seasons that winter has just not gone away when it's supposed to. And then all of a sudden it turns into hot, steamy summer. So I'm hopeful that by the next podcast episode, the weather will have warmed up and I will have been able to uh, start planting uh, the flowers and herbs and everything. All right. So back to sewing and quilting. So quilting is a big zero at the moment. I have not pieced or quilted anything, but I do have projects waiting and um but I just, I have been sewing um, masks, face masks. It's just, that's that's what's on the sewing table every day. I've got a couple of large orders. Uh, hopefully I will get done with those. Um, one of them by the uh, next couple of days. And uh, I'm going to update you on this wire that I mentioned in the last episode, the one, the 20 gauge that is like a non-tarnish and won't erode when um, the mask is laundered. So I got that wire and I started to um, sew it into the pleated face masks. This wire works very well in these masks. It's definitely um, a nice upgrade but it does take a lot longer to make because you have to do a zigzag stitch over the entire length of the wire. And uh, it just adds to the process. Um, and it's not something that you would want to incorporate in like, you know, a huge volume um, type of a mask making batch. So uh, I'm using it for specific um commissioned orders. And um, I made a prototype mask um, just to kind of like work out the kinks of how I was going to fabricate these masks. And I made one for my husband and uh, he loves it. He said that wire is so much better um, than he, the thinner pipe cleaner ones. So he wants all of the rest of the masks that I made for him retrofitted with, with this new wire. And you guys know what that means to pick apart seams and to retrofit or, you know, re-alter things that have already been made. Like it's much easier to just make a new one than to go back. But I will do it. He ha he wears these every day at his work and um, I've made one for every day so he can have a new one and then we wash up 
the whole batch of them on the weekends. So um, yeah, I, I'll do it. I just have to get through some of these orders first, but I still think that the pipe cleaners that are put in the sleeves on the back of the mask so they can be removed for washing are also a great um, way to make these masks as well. And it doesn't take as long. The reason why it takes a lot longer is this 20 gauge wire is um, it's just a lot more finicky to manipulate um, so that you can sew it. You have you have to it comes all curled up around a spool and then you have to straighten that out and it takes a while. And, um, you know, I measure down three eighths of an inch and draw this line. And because um, if this wire gets too close to your your top stitching seam line, your needles will break. I have broken a couple of needles on this wire, so I've played around with it and I have um, actually kind of um, perfected this technique as to how I like to do it. The pipe cleaner wires are so much thinner and you can, um, you know, your needle won't break even if you sew right on top of it. So that's like the plus um, feature of sewing with pipe cleaner wires. So anyway, that's just my update on making face masks because that's all I seem to be doing this week. And um, yes, I have started to get <laughs> face mask making fatigue, which is why I um, have kind of tossed in a couple of quick make projects in between. And that really works. It really kind of gives me a break from um, the face mask fatigue. And I made the, I've talked about this before. I got a pattern from Oh Me Oh My Patterns for a baby bonnet. And I did those um, printed uh, spoon flower fabrics. And um, I made one for my little baby niece. It is so cute. It turned out really cute. I posted a picture on my Instagram. And I have another niece who um, later this month is going to turn four years old. So I am going to make her um, a pair of these knit overalls. They look so cute. This pattern is also by Oh Me Oh My Patterns. And I just got the fabrics today, the knit fabrics. And oh my gosh, they are so cute. Oh my gosh, they! I cannot wait to see how these turn out. Um, the fabrics are by Katerina Rochella and they're from her um, fabric line uh, Floralish and that I think that was from like last summer that fabric line. It has um, the little cherries on the blue gray background and then I got a second fabric that has uh, cherry blossoms flowers on there in all different shades of pink. So um, that's going to be my next kind of hopefully quick sew <laughs> project to toss in there in between all of these face masks. All right. So while I'm talking about fabrics, uh, Tula Pink has really been hitting social media hard lately. She's been doing a lot of uh, Instagram videos and um, they've been great. Uh, I think it's um, because there is no spring market this year. So she's doing a great job in promoting her spring market line that comes out in, I think they said late October. So um, there's several places where you can find this video. Um, it's She posted on her Facebook page and on her Instagram, Instagram TV. Um, but the new line is a black and white 
fabric line and it's called line work and I absolutely love it. Um, there's a, a couple of patterns called sketchy and sketchier and it's all of these um, black and white animals like zebras and pandas and there are on this same fabric there's flowers and like kind of a damask pattern and they're all kind of sketched on this gridded paper background it's just really beautiful uh so i'm really looking forward to this collection coming out in the fall uh and okay yeah guess what guys <laughs> i'm going to cook con in 2021 Woohoo! <laughs> you know why? Because it's going to be virtual. <laughs> yeah, they announced that um, they are making QuillCon next year virtual. And uh, I am really looking forward to it. It will be really be interesting to see how this virtual QuillCon plays out. But they've really been doing a lot of work um, on it. And uh, I'm really excited. So, I mean, you guys know me. Anything that I can do from the comfort of my own home, I love. It's terrible. I know. I I like to go out as well. I love going to act and attending actual quilt shows, quilt trade shows. Uh, but I don't know. In these like times that we're in today, I do not want to get on an airplane anytime soon. All right, just a quick update on a uh, couple things I've been watching and I've told you about. The first one is the Epics show Belgravia. OMG, I so love this show. It is so good. So if you haven't started watching it yet or you just want to try it out, they are they do have the first two episodes up for anyone to watch for free. So give it a watch. And if you guys are watching it, let me know. I I just, it's such a great show to like, you know, watch and then get together with your friends and sort of like, you know, gossip about it. It's just one of those like water cooler type shows. So the season finale of Outlander aired last Sunday as well. And uh, yeah, I really wasn't a fan of that episode. I really didn't like how they ended the season. So that's all I'm going to say. If you watch it, you'll know. All right. And there's one more show that I was very reluctant to watch and finally kind of ran out of stuff to watch and um I put it on just because um up in my sewing room I could I knew I could have it on in the background and not worry about it and this is on Amazon Prime and it is the Heidi Klum Tim Gunn kind of partnership show uh called uh what is it called uh making the cut and I just thought it was going to be another version of Project Runway. And um, that just is kind of like really overdone. And so I was like, no, no, no. Well, started watching it and it is very different and it's very refreshing and kind of fun. It's still a competition show and they still have to make, um, you know, these um outfits for every uh, week's competition, but they have seamstresses that will sew overnight for them. So they're able to really like make even more just cool stuff. The judges are kind of good. And one of the judges is uh, Naomi Campbell. She's good. She really is. And you know what? She surprised me because 
you know, she's tough, but Heidi is more tough than her. And Naomi really had compassion and empathy. Um, and I really liked that. I, I was really surprised to see that from her because, you know, back in her day of modeling and all those stories about her being this diva. I mean, she's still a diva. Come on. Let's get real. But she added a lot of interest to the show. So if you haven't watched it yet, making the cut on Amazon Prime. All right. So today's guest is Peter Byrne, and he is an award-winning quilter and teacher. His quilts won Best of Show Quilt um, at QuiltCon 2020, just this past February. And he had another quilt in the QuiltCon show 2020 um, that was also awarded Best Quilted Frameless. So um, I'm really happy that uh, I got the opportunity to talk with him. He's really just a wonderfully talented quilter, and he is so kind and so open to sharing his ideas and techniques. And I'm so excited to share this episode with you. So let's go. Today, my guest is Peter Byrne of Peter Byrne Quilts. Peter is an award-winning quilter, and he recently won Best in Show uh, and Best Machine Quilting Frameless at QuiltCon 2020. And I'm so honored and excited to be able to talk with him today. Welcome, Peter. Thank you, Stephanie. It's great to be here with you. I'm so happy to talk with you. Um, and uh, I just, uh, I, I have never, I've not been to a QuiltCon yet, and I really, really need to do, to go. <laughs> One of these yeah, years. Yeah, it really is an awesome mm-hmm. experience for sure. But I follow it and um, through the magic of social media and I saw tons of photographs of your quilts and they are stunning. Thank Just you so much. Amazing. And so I want to start. I really love what I do. Oh, you can tell. You can totally tell. Um, oh, wait, first, where, where are you from? So we can tell the listeners. Sure. So right now I live in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. I was born in Newfoundland, which is the oh, east coast of Canada. Yes. I was brought up in Victoria, which is the west coast of Canada. And now I live kind of in the middle mm-hmm. um, in Toronto. Wow, that is so cool. Newfoundland has, they're famous for like those colored houses on like the... Absolutely. It's, yes. Oh, it's so beautiful. I love when I see it's, photos of that. And it's my, very pretty in Newfoundland. It is. Unfortunately, the, the the winters are way too long. Oh yeah, <laughs> and and way too cold. And that's why my parents moved from Newfoundland to Victoria uh-huh. to go out to like the Sunshine Coast. Oh yeah, um, it was a, it was a wonderful place to grow up. But I I love Toronto. I love city living. Oh good, good. Yeah, Toronto is nice. I def- I've been there, and it's similar to where I'm at in Chicago. We're not that far yeah. away. So very good. Um. All right, so we're going to, I want to get right into this quilt con at first, and then we'll kind of like rewind um, backwards. So just do a little different. Sure. So um, quilt con 2020, you won best of show with a quilt called Starring You. That's correct. So start from the moment that you were notified that your quilts made it into the show, because you had more than those two in the show, right? Did you have one more? I had three quilts that were juried into QuiltCon this year. Yeah, um, QuiltCon was an amazing experience. It was the first time that I've gone to QuiltCon. 
I, in 2017, I went to Quilt Canada and I looked at all of the quilts. And at that time I thought, I think I might be interested in putting quilts into jury shows. So over, over two years, I worked on my skills. And at the beginning of 2019, I started making quilts with the intention of putting them into quilt shows. So Starring You was the first quilt that I made to intentionally go into a quilt show. And putting that into QuiltCon was the first time that I entered a quilt into a jury show. So it was beyond surprising that I won Best in Show. That's what I wanted to know, too, is that, you know, were you surprised when you won? Or was this something that you really were, like, anticipating that, you know, you did all of this hard work and you're hoping? (laughs) Yeah, for for me, like, the reward with QuiltCon was just, just to have a quilt in the show was really the reward for me. Mm-hmm. So when I got the email back saying that I actually was having three quilts in the show, I was ecstatic. I was so happy. Mm-hmm. I was so proud. I was so full of joy mm-hmm. just to have quilts in the show. Yeah. A little bit of time went by and I got an email. I'd be winning an award for Starring You and I'd be winning an award for the second quilt called Cityscape. And Again, when I when I received that news, I literally jumped for joy. Wow. Like I, I, I was so excited. I could not could not believe that I was going to be winning an award. A few days went by and I got a phone call from the event coordinator from QuiltCon. Her name is Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And Elizabeth offered me the VIP treatment if I was able to make it to the award ceremony. Wow. So she said to me, QuiltCon will pay for your flight. We've got a sweet reserve for you. We'd really, really like to have you at the award show. So I I was vibrating with excitement, but I did manage to ask her one question, which was, am I winning best in show? And she said to me, sorry, Peter, I can't tell you exactly what you're winning, but she said, if you come to the award ceremony, you're going to be very, very, very happy. So... <laughs> She was right. When I got to the award show, I was very, very, very happy. Wow. So yes. that I was wondering that too, because I was thinking, well, did you were you already planning to attend QuiltCon or you know, how just how that even works? And um so that that makes perfect sense. And um I agree with you because if I ever got a quilt accepted into a juried show, I would be like, okay, I can drop the mic now. (laughs) (laughs) But then to even win should be like so surreal. I mean, it's just amazing. Oh my goodness. It was unbelievable. There there was a a group of my friends from the Toronto Modern Quilting Guild that were at QuiltCon. And of course, when I received this news from QuiltCon, they also said to me, you're not allowed to tell one person that you're winning an award. (laughs) <laughs> so anyway, my friends, we all got together. We went to the award ceremony. And when I walked in, I had to say to them, sorry, guys, but I have to go sit in the front row. I have a seat reserved for me because I'm actually winning tonight. And I said to them, when I'm up on stage, can you guys be really loud? And I don't know if you watch the award ceremony, but oh, my God, were they ever loud it was so so much fun <laughs> I did not watch it but I am sure it is floating around on YouTube somewhere 
that I could find it. Yeah, so um, if you want to watch it, it is available online. So if you go to QuiltCon okay. and um, just look for award ceremony, they have the award ceremony that you can stream in from 2019 and 2020. Oh, awesome. Okay. Yeah. And 2020. Great. Okay, good. And the, the two awards that I won, they were they were two of the top four awards. So you have to wait to the very very end before actually you see me getting my awards. So. Oh wow! How how many awards do you do they give out then? I don't even know. Um, the top four awards. It's one is for best quilting, one is for best quilting on a long arm, uh-huh. one is for best quilting without being on a long arm. They call that frameless. Uh-huh. And then the, the fourth one is is best in show. So I won best machine quilting frameless uh-huh. and I won best in show. Okay. And I was the first man to win QuiltCon. Oh. I was the first first solo Canadian to win QuiltCon. And I was the first person in the history of QuiltCon to win two of the top four awards. Oh my god. So I, bro- I broke a few records. You did. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, congratulations. It's, it's, you're giving me goosebumps. That's just so cool. Thank I'm you. I'm so happy for you. I just love it seeing was, uh, yeah, that inspiring work. I just love it. Was, it. it was like just a, a, a life altering experience in all the right ways. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure because I have seen you like um, people that were at QuillCon were pulling you aside and doing interviews and magazines and, you know, yes. other companies. So I am sure yeah. that so, it's yeah, it can get overwhelming, too. Um, it, it wasn't overwhelming for me when I was there. So QuillCon is four days. Uh-huh. So for the first three days. When you come into the exhibit hall, the first quilt that you see is best in show. So what I did for the first three days is I stood beside my quilt and I literally talked to every person that wanted to talk to me. And it was just amazing. And really, that's my favorite part of participating in a quilt show Uh is just talking with everyone about my work. Yeah, I was interviewed from, um, let me think, Switzerland, Germany. England, uh, Australia, many places from the U.S. and Canada. Mm-hmm. So there definitely was some interviewing going on. Yeah. And on my fourth, my fourth day, I walked around. I took in all of the quilts, and I talked to the exhibitors that I thought I might like to have some um, future relationships with. Mm-hmm. So the last day, I kind of just took it for myself and. Really enjoyed the QuiltCon experience. Oh, good. Very good. That's really nice that you were, you know, for you to spend as much time as you did just, um, you know, being there for people who wanted to see who made this best in show quilt and to talk with them. That is really generous of you and your time. Uh, That's uh, really very nice. I really like that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I heard somebody say I was was holding court at QuiltCon. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I was standing at the front <laughs> entrance and talking to everyone. Uh-huh. I thought that was quite funny. <laughs> well, it's just, I'm, I'm, it's a big honor and I'm, you did it really well. And um, I was able to, you, you have really good photographs of that quilt as well on your website and um, shows like the op- up close work. And so starting with um, that starring you quilt, 
Um, yes. The you could you can just talk a little bit about like the inspiration, and then I want want to kind of zero in on a couple of the techniques that you did that I thought were kind of unique. Sure. Yeah. So when I was making starring you, my main focus was to have as much negative space in that quilt as possible because my favorite part of making a quilt is actually doing the quilting design and the quilting stitches. So I started off with making the star itself and that would be made with eight large diamond shaped units. So I took five of those units and I sewed them together to make a partial star and I took the other three units and I cut them up into 90 pieces. And I used those 90 pieces in the spray burst coming out from the star. Mm-hmm. So the technique that I used to put that star in place was applique. So I sewed two pieces of white fabric together so I'd only have one seam from top to bottom. And then I applique the star portion onto that white fabric. And then from there, I placed all of the turned edge applique in the burst and put all of that in place. Once I got that done, then I could start to think about the actual quilting pattern and the quilting stitches that went around the star shape in the center. So the category that I actually entered starring you in at QuiltCon was for best use of negative space, Mm. um, because that's what I thought this quilt really expressed the best. yeah, so that's kind of how it started. Yeah, that's so cool. And and I, um, if people go to your website, you explain that really well. And I was able to kind of see the close-ups and see exactly what you were talking about. So when you say that you, you did this eight-point star and you kept five of them pieced together, um, the other three pieces were pieced as well. Like you had like the little black you know, yes. uh, parts, yes. um, like as if they were completed. And then you took and them and deconstructed those pieces, right? Yes, Which, yes. That's and, really cool. That's brilliant. And, and those 90 pieces that I that I cut, I deconstructed, mm-hmm. I framed them with white fabric and I used turned edge applique to put them into the starburst. Mm-hmm. So it really did create a beautiful finish on all of the edges. It did, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, you hand turned applique, so you you actually hand applique those onto the quilt top. So with my quilting, everything was done by machine. So there actually was no handwork at all in <gasps> that quilt. Yeah. So all of the techniques that I use were all done using the sewing machine. So that's kind of exciting. With those small pieces. <laughs> <laughs> so with those small pieces that were in the starburst, mm-hmm. what I did was I used um, my sewing machine in free motion and I used a ruler so I, I could uh, do some edge stitching all the way around on each one um, oh. in free motion with combination with the ruler. Okay. So I could be very, very precise yeah. so really closely to the edges. Okay. Very good. All right. Um, and then part of your quilt, too, which which you said, you know, you like to uh, focus on the actual quilt stitching. And the one thing that really 
makes it stand out right away is that um, the black thread you use, but the thickness, yes. the thickness of it. Um, right. Yeah. Really, like so, you, you needed that in order to make that impact. Absolutely. So, so the 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 quilt was entirely finished with all the 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 quilting patterns and the stitching done with white thread. And what I did was I went back in on top of all of that. And I used a 12-weight or fill thread 12 I in combination so. I with trying. my... <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Yeah. <laughs> and that was in combination with my walking foot. And the stitch that I used, it's called a stretch stitch. Okay. So the stitch goes forward and then it goes backwards and then it goes forwards. So as I was sewing, it was actually laying down three layers of thread at the same time. And that's how I created that really dark black line. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I was using the stretch stitch. Now, I have to say, it was quite, quite difficult to do. Yeah. And I don't know if I'd be, like, rushing onto another quilt to do that again. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like, putting putting black thread on a white quilt is kind of crazy but it works yeah that high of a contrast shows everything it does so it was it was quite challenging because usually with quilting you can do some traveling which is Mm -hmm. quilting stitches on top of quilting stitches Mm -hmm. but because it was the the thread was so heavy and the line was so thick I had starts and stops absolutely everywhere and I had to pull that thread to the back of the quilt to tie it off Mm-hmm. in the back and then bury those threads. So it was the very last step of doing the quilt. And I have to say, one day I got so frustrated that I took that quilt and I rolled it up in a ball and I threw it into the back of my closet and it sat there for a week before I took it back out again. So I just <laughs> needed to have a break. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, that's actually refreshing to hear, <laughs> actually, because all of us, <laughs> all of us go through that. We we just oh, we it, do. We all have good days and bad days, right? And then you, when you're spending so much time on it, you're so you're so close to it that yes. you just and then you're in this zone. And then you need a break. You just have to walk away. Absolutely. And with with quilting, um, there's definitely days where where everything just seems to work, and the flow is going really well, and and your control is working perfectly. And then there's other days where it kind of feels like you've never done this before, <laughs> and you kind of just have to stop yeah. and give yourself a break, and and maybe you know, get back to it on another day mm-hmm. and see how it goes then. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that is really interesting. It's that stretch stitch that gave it that, um, that text, like even thicker texture. Cause I'm like, it looks yes. like a 12 weight thread to me, but then it just, it looks like almost a yarn too. So, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I had somebody, actually a few people tell me that it's also called a bean stitch. And if you look closely at the stitch, it almost does look like it's done by hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they kind of look like tiny little beans all in a row. So <laughs> it is a, it is an interesting stitch to work with. And it, it certainly did the job on Starring You. Mm-hmm. Without, the, without that heavy black thread on that quilt, 
it would not have had the same visual impact. Right. And you found a way to do it on the machine because the only other way I can think of to get that impact is if you were to quilt it by hand with like yes. an embroidery thick yarn or thread like that. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And quite often when I'm making a quilt, I'll make a small mini quilt at the same time. And that small quilt is for testing the techniques that I'm going to be using mm-hmm. and combinations of um, different thread and tension. And so hopefully most of my mistakes are, or my experimenting is made on that small quilt. Mm-hmm. So when I'm hopping on my real quilt, my work will be at its best. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, your little practice. Now, do you do you do anything with those little quilts then, the mini quilts? Most of them I throw away. So I, I have kept some as a teaching tool. Okay. But the majority of them are just to be discarded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because you are testing stuff out and, you know, making mistakes or yeah, they, know, they, not they, finishing Yeah, they really the do look like a mess. Yeah, they do. <laughs> they, 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 they totally look like a mess. So, <laughs> Yeah, but you need that because I, I do the same thing, like just to practice my free motion before I actually do yeah. the real deal. Because sometimes it's big spaces of time between when I don't free motion every day. So you kind of yes. have to get back into that, to that, you know, memory and yeah. motion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another thing I do is when I'm making my quilt sandwich, I always put an extra two or three inches, like kind of like an extra frame around the quilt itself. So when I need to do a little bit of practicing, I can actually practice right there on the edge of my quilt. Mm. And when I need to like uh, change my bobbin and set my tension again, mm-hmm. I can also do that on the edge of the quilt. So that's a, that's a, good th- a very handy way to make sure you're staying on track. Yeah, that's a good tip. I like that. Um and so let's let's move on to your uh, cityscape quilt. Sure. And this is the one you won for best machine quilting frameless, which means that it wasn't on a, a long arm, right? Yeah. So okay. yeah, frameless means that the the needle was stationary. So it, it basically means it was not done on a long arm, um, and the quilting stitches would have been moved underneath. It. A stationary needle. Right. Okay, good. And um, so so that this one is well, actually, like, let me back up again. I almost I forgot to ask you about on the starring you when 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 you did the um, the quilting design um, in all of that negative space. Did you draw it on the quilts and then follow your drawing lines? Because it is so precise. And it's yeah. it's partially like almost like to me, uh, um, geometric, um, but still uh, abstract. I don't know. It's 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 it, this is yeah. what's great about your quilt, and that's probably why it won best in show because, like, so so someone like me can look at this and like turn my head and study it and and think of like what this you know means or you know the intention of that like artwork you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's it's. I I, I love getting feedback um, from my quilts. I find it so interesting what people actually see in a quilt that I make. Mm-hmm. So, my approach with quilting starring you was, I, I had a general sense of what the quilting might look like when I started the quilt. So, for example, where I have the really large circles, mm-hmm. sort of extending 
hang out from the star tips. Mm -hmm. I knew that was going to be part of the pattern. But from there, I really had no set plan at all. And that's how I quilt. I, I like to work with my quilt in the moment and see what I'm seeing and go from there. So I use what's called a friction pen. And it's a marking tool where you can mark your quilt. And when you don't want that marking on your quilt, you take your iron and you put some heat on it and it disappears. Right. So some people find that controversial and some people say that if, yeah. So if, if you're using a friction pen and you're sending your quilt by freight and it gets cold, the ink might come back. Mm -hmm. And so what I did with starring you was after I finished with it, because I had used a black friction pan all over the white fabric everywhere. Wow. So I washed it, <laughs> dried it. I wrapped it in a bag. I stuck it in my freezer overnight. And when I took it out of my freezer the next day, there was no friction pen on it at all. Okay. So I, th I think people that have problems with friction pens, maybe they don't wash their quilts. But it's been my experience when I wash my quilt uh -huh. that I haven't had any problem with the friction pan. Okay. So uh, getting back to the design on the quilt. So I would quite freely draw a design on that quilt with my black friction pan. Mm -hmm. And the corners of the star, there's actually another star that comes out from the corner. So I would draw that in one section. And if I liked it, then I would quilt it in that one section. And then I would put that same motif all the way around everywhere where it needed to go. And when that was done, then I would design the next small section. And when I was happy with that, then I would quilt that in. And again, I would go all the way around the quilt and put that motif in. And I just kept on repeating that until I finally got to um, the border mm -hmm. and uh, finish it up in that manner. So I don't have I don't have a complete set of directions before I make a quilt. I'm not drawing absolutely everything on <laughs> graph paper or doing it on my iPad. Okay. I like to work with my quilt and see how I see how I feel about where it's going. Um, quite often, I will take my quilt and hang it up on the wall mm -hmm. and have a look at it that way. I'll take a picture of it when it's hung up on the wall and I'll sit down and relax and look at that picture. And what you see in a picture quite often is quite different mm. than what you see when you have your quilt hanging up on the wall. Yeah, yeah. And that, that helps a lot with the direction on making your choices with quilting. Okay. That's very interesting. And, um, it's it's not what I expected to hear. I, I I expected to hear that you like you know carefully drew this design out and then transferred it painstakingly to scale <laughs> to this quilt top. <laughs> yeah, so, I think I surprised you because it was completely the opposite. Yes, of that. yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so cool. <laughs> All right. Um. So now we're back up to the cityscape. <laughs> okay. Yes. So this one um is uh kind of like an abstract of a, of a city, kind of a, a skyline, right? Yeah. Exactly. So okay. where I live downtown Toronto, I'm in a high rise and I live on the 14th floor and I face south and I have a really beautiful view of the city. So that was my inspiration for making the cityscape quilt. So it, it, is, um, it is a version of like a downtown um, eating view of what Toronto looks like. 
Oh, nice. Really nice. And you have um, kind of like the glowy colors of like with the buildings are lit up in the windows, right? Yes. Of like the yeah, orange, so orange able, and the yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I was able to achieve that with um, using some raw edge applique and that in combination with uh, free motion quilting ruler work. So when you look at the quilt and you see that sort of plus sign in the orange, mm-hmm. um, that's how I did that. Okay. And again, my approach with quilting was I would take one one quilting motif and I would do that throughout the entire quilt. So for example, I did start start off with the orange crosses, and once I got all of those finished, then I moved on to the gold gold shape boxes Mm -hmm. and when I got those done I moved on to the next step and there was about five different steps of quilting on that Mm -hmm. quilt and the interesting thing that I did with that quilt which I hadn't done before was I allowed myself to quilt on top of quilting in a way that I hadn't done before because I think when we all first start to learn free motion quilting we're we're all taught don't cross your lines like make sure you never cross your lines and so my my experimenting and my goal when I made Cityscape was the opposite of that. And once I put down one quilting motif, I just gave myself permission to quilt right on top of that one with the next quilting motif. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really what added something special to that quilt. Yeah, yeah. It adds a, a bit of um, dimension and texture. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Um, I know that the whole like (laughs) don't cross your lines especially for someone who's just starting out (laughs) is so stressful because that's all you think about then and then you don't even think about what you're quilting so yeah cool teachers out there don't tell your students that because you're going to freak them out (laughs) and you know i i I do teach workshops and i I teach introduction to free motion quilting oh and part of that Part of that exercise is we definitely cross our lines. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yay. So I'm putting that old, that old concept behind us. Good, good. I love it. Yeah, so um, and then uh, you're, let me see. You talked about the um, raw edge applique, and then the buildings were made with some strip piecing, right? Yeah, so how I approached um, starting Cityscape was I cut all of my my strips and I sewed all of my strips together and I actually made a king-size quilt just made out of strips. Wow. And then I used that as my fabric. Uh-huh. So I cut that down into two-and-a-half-inch strips and six-inch strips as well. Now, on one end of that quilt, I had a lot of dark blue, and at the other end of that quilt, I had a lot of gray. And when I cut it into the strips, I decided I didn't want any gray. So that got edited out of the quilt. Okay. So what was left was all of the different colors of blue and the dark blue. Yeah. So once I had that, I on my design wall, I hung all of those strips. And I was able to move the strips around until I felt like I came up with a composition that was making sense to me. Mm-hmm. And when I got it to that point... Then I actually sewed those strips together. And once I had all of the strips together, the quilt top was done. And I was able to put the quilt sandwich together and get to the quilting part, which 
I know I've said this probably a few times by now. It is my favorite part. Ah, so. yeah. Quilting is your favorite part. And did you do anything is, yeah. special with the thread weights on that quilt or thread colors or... Um, yeah, so so I um, I'm a big fan of Orville thread. Mm -hmm. So the thread that I used um, on that quilt was Orville, and I did some color matching with the what I call the city lights. Mm -hmm. So that would be the the bright orange, the bright yellow, the bright teal, and the bright blue. Um, so I did some color matching with my thread with those bright brights. And when you stand back from that quilt and you look at it, they actually do appear to sort of glow off of the front of the quilt. Yeah, so I, that, that was a, a really um, wonderful achievement with that quilt to get that three-dimensional look happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I th I love the background tones that you achieved with the strips of the deep blues and you know going out going even deeper into color like that and then the the or so in other words like if you had the grays and maybe blacks in there the glow really wouldn't have come across as strong yeah yeah when i you know i made that great big king size quilt top just to get started mm -hmm. um I don't really know 100% what direction my quilts are going to go in mm -hmm. until I get there. So when I cut up all of that fabric and I was I was seeing the gray, it, it wasn't really making sense to me. And when I edited just, just that one color out and I was left with all of the others, mm -hmm. um, then visually I could see what direction I could take that quilt in. And the blues do range from like an off-white blue all the way down to the deepest, darkest blue, and sort of all those shades in between, mm -hmm. because uh, contrast is always important in a yeah, quilt. Yeah, definitely. Well, great. It's beautiful. Um, so I can definitely see how those won these awards and... Um, the and, and that you design these, these are original designs by you. Yeah, so my, my quilt designs are original, and... When I started making quilts with the intention of going into jury shows, uh, part of that was to challenge myself and just make different quilts. So some people, some people really enjoy coming up with a theme for a quilt, and they, they may make a series of three or six or even ten with that one theme. Um, but I'm, I'm relatively new to quilting so I wanted to give myself that challenge of learning something new and using different techniques in every quilt that I make so in 2019 I did complete six quilts and when you look at that body of work every quilt is entirely different than the one before it Nice. Very nice. So this is a perfect segue into my next topic Okay, <laughs> that you said you have not been quilting that long. So now let's rewind back in time. Of sure. When, yeah. When did you start quilting? So I'm a retired hairstylist. I was working in the salon for 30 years. Mm. I when I was in high school, I got a part time job in a hair salon when I was 15 when I was 17, I was in hairdressing school. When I was 19, I had finished my apprenticeship. And when I was 20, I opened my first salon. Wow. So at the age of 45, I retired after working for 30 years in the salon. And I was just looking for something new and creative to do. Mm -hmm. um, 
an aunt of mine that lives about an hour and a half from Toronto, I would visit once or twice a year. And every time I went, she was always so very proud to show me the quilts that she was making. So over the years, I got to see a lot of quilts that she made. And in the back of my mind, I always said, when I have time, I would love to buy a sewing machine. (laughs) So when I stopped working in the salon, I bought a small sewing machine and I just started sewing. And I... I didn't really want other people's ideas in my head. So I I didn't look at magazines and I didn't take any courses. Um, I didn't do any online classes. I just sewed and made one quilt after another, after another. And I was really happy doing that for quite a few years. I made quilts for all of my family members and all of my friends. Mm -hmm. And in 2017, I wanted to take quilting in a new direction, and I wanted to take that direction for myself and start making quilts for myself instead of other people. So the first thing I did to further my experience with quilting was in January of 2017, I joined the Toronto Modern Quilting Guild. Mm. And, And although I had been making quilts from 2009, when I walked into that first guild meeting, I had never quilted a quilt in my life. I had not quilted any quilts whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But it was at that time where I became like a full-time student of quilting and started reading everything about quilting. I I took over a hundred online classes for quilting. But more importantly, I met a member of the Toronto Modern Quilting Guild that was a quilting teacher. And I expressed to her that I had an interest in teaching. And she's like, well, I teach at this location every Monday night. Why don't you come join me at six o'clock? And I said, that sounds great. So I did. And I did that for four months in a row. Every Monday, I joined uh, Stephanie Rose. And she taught me introduction to quilting. She taught me quilt sampler. She taught me how to read a pattern and make a quilt through a pattern. And she taught me introduction to free motion quilting. So it was just an awesome experience having such a great teacher Mm -hmm. take me under her wing and mentor me for four months. Now, she was teaching a class, so I was actually part of the class. So I was kind of learning at the same time I was being her assistant. And the school that she was teaching at expanded and they opened a new location. So the owner said to me, would you like to be the quilting instructor for our new location? So I said yes to that opportunity. And I ended up teaching all of those classes that Stephanie taught me at the new location for one year. And if you can teach something, that means you really know it yourself. So that was just, yeah, it was a really awesome experience to be in a school environment and teaching all of these new people that were just so, so excited about learning something new. Mm -hmm. And I was that first person into their journey. So that's kind of how I started quilting. Um, It it definitely has become an obsession. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I wasn't really, um, I wasn't really looking for a new career. Um, just really enjoying my retirement. Mm-hmm. Uh, although I say I retired from the salon, there's always friends and family that you still take care of. Oh, so, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 
So a couple of times a week, you know, the chair gets pushed over in front of the mirror and, and I have friends come in and I do their hair for them, mm -hmm. which I love the social part of it. So, you know, that, that part is amazing. Um, but when that chair is pushed back out of place, that area is my quilting area. And that really is my new home. I absolutely love what I do. So when I was, when I was going through 2019 and making my quilts and bringing them into the Toronto Modern Quilting Guild, I was also being encouraged to consider putting workshops together on the quilts that I was making. So it was brought to my attention that perhaps I'd like to apply to teach at Quilt Canada. And Quilt Canada is like for Canada, like QuiltCon is for the U.S., mm -hmm. Quilt Canada is our one national large show that we have in Toronto, sorry, in Canada, sometimes in Toronto. And it was said to me if I would like to apply to be a teacher there that I should have three workshops. So I chose three of the quilts that I had made, put workshops around them and went through the application process. And I'm actually going to be part of the faculty for Quilt Canada um, 2021. And Quilt Canada 2021 is going to be here in Toronto. Oh, yeah. nice. So, yay. And I'm actually actually going to be doing uh, two of my workshops there. And I'm going to be doing a trunk show as well. So I am totally looking, for, looking forward to it. Oh, nice, nice. So, uh, and so you've been to Quilt Canada uh, shows already, right? I have. So okay. I, I've been to Quilt Canada twice in the past. Okay. And when I saw the quilts that were hanging, that's when I was very inspired to going in that new direction of actually making quilts to go into Jared shows. Okay. So um, I went through the application process to see if I could get my quilts into Quilt Canada this year. And the six quilts that I made in 2019, I entered all of them into the application process. And Five of the six quilts were juried into the show. Wow. I know. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> I so, think that you are where you, you're meant to be. <laughs> you know? <laughs> when I got those emails, I was so, so excited. Like, to have the success that I had in the States is really super awesome. Mm -hmm. But for me to have success in my, my own country sure. really does mean something special to me. Yeah. So when I got those five emails in a row saying five of my quilts were juried into the show, it really was one of the happiest days ever. Oh, good, good. I yeah. am so glad. I'm so now, happy for you. And, you know, it is just so, you know... It's 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 not easy to enter your quilts in juried shows and like that. It's quite it's quite a process. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's actually I I haven't a done it yet. To go through. Right. Yeah. I, I have not done it yet, but I've wanted to. But you know, I've got to get over my own self and my own fear and not worry about you know if I'm doing stuff right because that's what I see in a lot of quilters who do win some of these awards and who do make up these workshops that are successful um, is that yeah. they, they experiment and they have fun with what they're doing. And, oh, absolutely. And then they will maybe happen upon a new technique. So I, I think of Victoria Finlay Wolf and, um, and uh, the, another one from Canada, um, Libs Elliot. So yes. 
very innovative and inspiring. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I think that's great. And um, I, I definitely am uh, learning to kind of, you know, do that because uh, I think I just my formal education and just in design is just that you have to have everything done ahead of time. There's no like impromptu or, you know, yeah. stuff like that. So that's why I asked you about that starring you quilt yeah, design. If I, could, if I could talk to that just for a moment. Sure. When, I, when I'm when I'm making my own quilts, first of all, I'm making them for my own enjoyment because I, I really do love the process of making a quilt. Mm-hmm. I I do think perhaps a little, little bit about maybe who my audience is for this quilt and maybe what they would like mm-hmm. more so than what I would like. But I don't let that rule my final decisions mm-hmm. on how I'm making quilts because, first of all, I am totally making them for the love of making that quilt. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens to that quilt after I finish with it, it'll have whatever life it's supposed to have. Right. So, you know, for yourself, um, make that quilt for yourself first and just enjoy that process. And I think if you do that, when you finish that quilt, Stephanie, you'll be so proud and so happy (laughs) with it that then you'll be ready to put it into a show. Okay. That's excellent advice. And I am going to listen to that and and just, uh, you know, see what I can do. If I could... um, Talk about cityscape for just a minute. Yeah, yeah, go um, ahead. Toronto, Toronto for the last eight years has had a really beautiful show every summer called Quilts at the Creek. Hmm. And 300 quilts are put up in this beautiful outdoor venue. And for the last four years, I've participated in um, in just about all the different areas where they need volunteers. And this last year, the the woman who puts this on, um, she said to me, we're going to do something different this year. And I'm going to invite maybe three or four different artists in and do what she called spotlight. So she said to me, would you like to be one one of my spotlight guests at the show? And I said, I would love to. Um, But it was early in the year and I only had three quilts made in that year. And she, she said, can you do five? And I'm like, sure, I can. So I chose one quilt that I had made in 2017. And then the final one that I was quilting to get ready to go into that show was Cityscape. Huh. And I, I was running out of time. So I can't tell you how fast I made that quilt. <laughs> like I, I quilted so, so quickly. But I tend to do that with my quilting. I, I I might go a little bit fast and I might be a little bit reckless with it because I'm not necessarily looking for 100% perfection mm-hmm. all the time. I'm just looking for enjoying the process and maybe making sure it's a 9 out of 10. But a 10 out of 10 in quilting, I don't think it really needs to exist. So I made that quilt so, so very quickly because... For the first time, I actually had a deadline ahead of me to have those five quilts ready to go into Quilts at the Creek. Mm-hmm. So that was um, that was my experience with making Cityscape. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was all about getting it done and not worrying about perfection whatsoever. Yeah, really nice. Oh, good. So do, do they still do that Quilts at the Creek uh, in Toronto? Yeah, so... 
Unfortunately, this past summer was the last year for Quilts oh, at the Creek. All right. Yeah. It's um it's it's a challenge to get people to come out to uh quilting um venues. So yeah, yeah the, the the owner Belle thought, you know, I'm just gonna kind of quit while I'm ahead. Mm-hmm. And so she she decided this last year was going to be her last year and I was thrilled and excited to be a part of that show Mm -hmm. in a way where I had five quilts on exhibit Mm -hmm. and I was busy doing volunteering except for the last day on Sunday and on Sunday I stood where my quilts were and just answered everybody's questions and it was at that point I started to realize that maybe what I was doing was a little bit different than other people because of the amount of interest that people had, um, all of the questions that they were asking. It was really, um, it was a real eye-opening experience for me that, you know, perhaps what I was doing was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And um, it it kind of gave me some new direction. For example, when when that show was on, I, I had no social presence whatsoever. And we're talking uh, July of last year. Mm-hmm. So I went on Instagram, I went on Facebook, I put together a beautiful um, website that people can view all of my work. Mm-hmm. And now on Instagram, I've gone from zero to over 2,800 followers. Wow. Um, yeah, in I think about maybe eight months or something. Wow. So going online has been a huge step for me. Mm-hmm. and. The, the sense of community is phenomenal. It's so exciting. The sense of community within, you know, the quilting world online mm-hmm. is really so awesome. And I'm just thrilled to be able to share what I'm doing online. Oh, good. I feel the same way. I love the quilting community and um, and, and the, the online part of it has been so magical in that it can connect us. You're in Canada. I am in Chicago. Um, yeah. There, there's people all over the world. I mean, it's just uh, and you, yeah. And you can you can see their work. They're posting it on Instagram, and you can say, "Hey, I like that. That's really it is, great." It's mm-hmm. so awesome. It's so awesome. Mm-hmm. So you know, things right now are a little bit different, and everybody has more time on their hands. Mm-hmm. And usually, with my posts on Instagram. I would only post pictures when I finish a quilt. Mm -hmm. But I decided this past week to try something different. So I said to my followers, the next quilt that I make, I'm literally going to take you through every step of my process while making this quilt. And I started this uh, three days ago. So I've been putting up like regular posts over the last three days. Mm -hmm. this is where I'm really feeling the sense of community. Mm-hmm. Now that I've stepped into actually going on Instagram on a daily basis and offering up sort of instantly the work that I'm doing and mm-hmm. the, the process that I'm taking people through, mm-hmm. it's um, it's a it's such a great feeling and it's just such a wonderful thing to do right now because because like I said, we all we all do have some extra time on our hands right, right now. Right, right, definitely. Yeah. And people love that. I love it. We love to see um, people posting their progress and and how you know yes. it be, goes from you know A to Z in in, in the the quilt process. So that's great. Yeah, 
Mm-hmm. And I, I was so used to doing that for like putting together my workshops and, and going into the, the classroom and having students and taking them through that whole process. But it never really crossed my mind to do that online. Mm-hmm. But I I have a, a technique which I call hover quilting. I was going to ask you about this, that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, hover quilting is a form of applique and it's absent of fusible web. So instead of taking your piece of applique and and ironing it firmly down to your quilt top, you do this in a way where after it's washed and dried, you get a real beautiful frayed edge around all of your piecework. Hmm. So for the first time, I'm actually taking my hover quilting technique and I'm breaking that down step by step by step and doing all of this online for all of my followers that are interested in um, learning about hover quilting and figuring out what that technique is. And hopefully they'll be inspired to take that technique and um, make a hover quilt themselves as well. Right. And so this hover quilting then is just something that you have developed. Is that right? Yeah. So okay. I, I was making a quilt and I was making a half square triangle quilt. And we, we all love half square triangle quilts and <laughs> everybody that quilts has done more than one. <laughs> and I just wanted to do a different take on what a half square triangle quilt could look like. Like. Mm-hmm. So my thought was, after I made 2,500 two and a half inch square <laughs> um, half square triangles, I thought, I don't want to sew those all together. I want <laughs> to base those onto a quilt and have a fuzzy edge between every one of them. So this, this was my first experiment with hybrid quilting. And so like I mentioned before, I always have like, you know, little side quilts that mm-hmm. I'd be working on. So as I was developing the hover quilt technique, I think I went through maybe three of those little tiny quilts that went through the wash and came back out and I was able to fine tune it. So when I hopped on that great big Hasper triangle quilt, which is called Pathways, and you can see that on my website, okay. it's it's a large quilt. It's 90 inches wide and 100 inches long. That's like a king and size. It, yeah. has, it is a king, yeah. Mm-hmm. It has 1,440 two and a half inch half square triangles on it. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a very, um, very complex looking quilt. But it was my first hover quilt. And when I finished making it, and I hung it up and I looked at it, it looked like the half square triangles were hovering on top of the quilt top. And so that's where the name came from, hover quilting. It mm-hmm. was just sort of the, 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 the view that I got from the image of the mm-hmm. quilt. And so I, I coined that technique hover quilting. And since then, I think I've made five or six of them in a row. So I've been experimenting with mm-hmm. what I can actually do with that technique. Nice. And um, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Great, great. And you're going to trademark that, right? <laughs> Tra- trade, um, <laughs> trademark the hover. <laughs> trademark the hover You can tell I've been yeah. listening to too much uh, Just Wanna Quilt. I don't know if you've listened to that podcast, but she's like uh, a law professor in... Um, you know, all, okay. of, all about like uh, the intellectual property. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I kind of have like kind of mixed emotions about that because people have said to me, can you make a pattern for that hover quilt? And I'm like, well, no, because if I put a pattern out, 
somebody else is just going to change it a little tiny bit and then they're going to call it something else anyway. Right. So I, I would rather, instead of doing a pattern, I'd rather catch teach the technique Mm -hmm. and then people can create their own pattern just by knowing what the technique is. I like that. So I'm not too sure about, yeah, I'm not too sure about, you know, if I have to trademark Mm -hmm. something or not, Mm -hmm. uh, because somebody can just do such a small variation on it and then they can trade trademark it as well. Right. So yeah, yeah, I think once you put it out there, you know, on the internet, um, it's, it's just going to have a life of its own. Right. And it is what it is. Right, right. Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. And you know what? That's just a, a such a good attitude. And I think that like leaves you with just, you know, it doesn't burden you and it doesn't, it just it releases all of that dark energy that you don't need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't want to have something extra to think about if I don't. Have right. To think yeah, definitely. <laughs> just okay. try to like keep things simple. Good, good. So um, then uh, I think I just have, well, I did want to know what um, about teaching that you loved the most. Yeah, so so with teaching, I've, I've kind of been in a role for teaching all of my career. When I was in the salon, I always had apprentices. And so over the years, I had three different apprentices that all went on to be salon owners themselves as well. So I was like very, very proud that Mm. I was able to help them in their journey and get them to the point where they were uh, being a successful salon owner. So part of that was every Tuesday night, we had what we called model night. So we would have people come in and we would teach the apprentices um, the trade. So I have been teaching sort of, all of my career. Mm-hmm. So when it came to quilting, after I I got the basics down and started creating things that were maybe a little bit different from other people, mm-hmm. I instantly went to, I think I'd like to share this with other people and I think I'd like to teach it. So that was on my mind when I joined the Toronto Modern Quilting Guild in 2017. Okay. And, you know, if you're open to whatever it is that life's going to offer you, opportunities do come up. So when I joined the Toronto Modern Guild and I met Stephanie Rose and she was a quilting instructor and she took me under her wing and she, you know, sort of taught me the basics on how I could move forward. Um, That was really just such an awesome opportunity. Mm -hmm. So having that experience and having taught in a sewing school for a year really aligned everything for me to roll into doing my own workshops. Mm -hmm. So as long as people have interest in what I'm creating, um, then I will be successful with my own workshops. And I have to say, I, I was kind of waiting to see what happened with QuiltCon mm-hmm. before I started doing any advertising for myself doing workshops. And since I came back from QuiltCon, I've actually booked over 40 events Whoa. for trunk shows and workshops. Wow. And I haven't done any advertising. Absolutely, everybody has approached me. And before QuiltCon even happened, I had a goal for 2021 that I would teach perhaps two to three workshops per month. And if anybody knows anything about, you know, coordinating instructors and workshops and quilt gills, it's all done a year, maybe even a year and a half in advance. Mm. So 
most of these workshops and trunk shows that I've booked in are starting at the end of 2020 and going through 2021. Okay. So having that goal in mind of getting a couple of workshops in per month for 2021 is actually coming true. And wow. I'm really, really thrilled that's happening. So yeah. for example, there's a quilting retreat called the Santa Barbara Quilting Retreat in California. And I'm now booked to do a three-day workshop there in 2021. Wow. And it's that type of opportunity that I'm looking for. So I can do a bit of travel, mm -hmm. go to some places maybe that I haven't been before, mm -hmm. tack on a couple of extra days and have a bit of a holiday around teaching my workshops. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm very interested in traveling to different locations. Mm -hmm. I, I'm booked in September to go to St. John's, Newfoundland. And for me, that's very exciting because I was actually born there yeah. and I have lots of family there. So when I go and I do my teaching for three days in a row, that, that'll be followed with like a one-week visit with all of my family. Oh. So... You know, these these opportunities are really awesome on so many levels. Yes, yes, absolutely. And um, to, to yeah, to be able to travel to places like Santa Barbara. Oh, my gosh. I'm, I've not been to there. I've been to many places in California. I love the West Coast. Um, but it, yeah. it's, it's nice that you can. I mean, it's almost like you're um, incorporating it, these workshops as just like a your lifestyle, you know, it's not really work. It's, it's Absolutely. what you're joyful yeah. about. Yeah. Yeah. Really nice. I'm, I'm so glad that you said that because that's exactly what my outlook is. Mm -hmm. um, at this point in my life, I'm not looking for a new career. Mm -hmm. I've, I've had a few and <laughs> they've been successful and I've really enjoyed them. Um, but I, I don't want to take what I'm really passionate about and take anything away from that. Right. And if I turned that into a full-time job, I wouldn't be quite as passionate about it. Yeah. So I, so I'm, I'm kind of giving myself this goal of, you know, two workshops a month, maybe three, because to me, that'll be like, like fun in my schedule, uh, not so much work in my schedule. Right. So if I, if I can keep that balance going forward, uh -huh. I'll be really, really happy. And I think after... Quilt Canada is finished, and I see what happens with my quilts at Quilt Canada. Uh -huh. um, there might be some more, more interest again with my workshops um, throughout Canada. Sure. And I, I'm looking forward to those opportunities oh. as well. Well, that's wonderful. I, I've, I've enjoyed talking with you so much. I mean, I could just continue. Thank you, Stephanie. <laughs> I could continue for days. Um, Thank you so much. But I, I definitely feel the joy um, that you have, and it makes me happy. And um, I, I just, uh, that's what a lot of us quilters love, too. And that's why we love our community, yeah. because we inspire each other. And you're yeah. very inspiring. Um, and you're very genuine and friendly, which is also really important. And thank you. Um, and you're doing really good. You're doing really good. So thank you. Yeah, I'm, I am so thrilled. Yes. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for being on the show. And um, I'll just I'll put this in my show notes. But your your website is peterbquilts.com. Right? Yeah. So my last name is Byrne. So it's like Peter 
bquilts.com. Okay. And then I just discovered this week that you had two Instagram accounts. So I knew about your, the one is at Peter's Quilts, right? Yes. Yes. And, and then the second one is um, Hover Quilting, at Hover Quilting. That's correct. Yes. Okay. So I do have two different feeds on Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I, I imagine that the hover quilting is an account where you just kind of post, you know, what you're doing with quilt making in in that area. Yeah. So I, I, I have this second one because hover quilting is a technique that I am developing. So I thought instead of just bombarding my regular feed with everything to do with hover quilting, I would separate the two of them um, just to make it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. And Everything that I do hover quilting definitely goes on my hover quilting feed, Mm -hmm. but I do include some of that in my regular feed as well. Okay, that's great. Really good. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to talk with you, and I hope to do it again uh, soon when when, uh, you're on to other things. (laughs) Thank you, Stephanie, so much. I really enjoyed this day as well. Okay. Maybe uh, maybe after Quilt Canada, we'll have another conversation. Yes, yes. All right. Uh, stay safe and healthy. <laughs> yes, you too. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Make and Decorate podcast. The podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Stephanie Socha. Until next time, have a great day. Bye.